Good morning. If everybody could open up their Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the, ministry, or for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that, he, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every other wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceit and schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined, joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Thanks, Jeff. Well, good morning. Happy Labor Day. Okay. <laughs> what? Is, what? Are you, what's the rule? You're not supposed to wear what after Labor Day? You're not supposed to wear white. Is that Monica? You're shaking your head. Is that not a? It's not a thing anymore. So everybody, you get out your whites like it's Wimbledon, and uh, we can just go crazy. So. Uh, you might see me in these shoes after tomorrow, so just to give you a, a, a warning. <laughs> so uh, we're talking today about, we've been going through the Ten Commandments, and we're talking today about the Ninth Commandment. And the Ninth Commandment, if you'll go with me to Exodus 20. Exodus 20, and the ninth command is in verse 16. Okay, Exodus 20, verse 16. That was in Exodus 15, Exodus 20. It's like, that is not the ninth commandment. Here we go. All right, Exodus 20, verse 16, it says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Pretty simple. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Um, 
Now, how many of us, when we think about the ninth commandment, about not bearing false witness against our neighbor, how many of you just think, okay, ninth command equals do not lie, right? Is that kind of how we, we think about it a lot of times? You know, do not lie, don't lie about your, your golf handicap or your, your SAT score or how much your house costs or, or whatever, right? Do, do not lie. And it's certainly not, it's certainly a good idea not to lie. And I think that this command is certainly telling us to be truthful and to be honest. But I think it's more than that. You know, it's good to remember when we think about the commands, it's so easy to get caught in that way of thinking where, you know, the commands are just this long list of rules. And if you break one, then God's mad at you. And, and, and just to, to think of it as this long list of rules. But remember, in the New Testament, Jesus comes along and he says, really all of the commands, all of the entire law can be summed up in two things. What are those things? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor. And so everything that you see in Leviticus and in, in Exodus and in, in Numbers throughout the entire book, the five books of the law, it, whether it's talking about not wearing two different types of fabric or it's talking about what to do with the blood of a sacrifice when you put it on the altar or whether it's talking about stuff like this, everything that we read that God tells us to do, all of the instructions that God gives us have to do, as crazy as they may sound, they have to do with loving God and with loving our neighbors, okay? And so what I hope we've seen as we've walked through the first eight commands, and I hope we'll continue to see this week and next week, is that all of these commands are very personal. They're very personal. It's not just about me, quote unquote, being a good person. Remember, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be bearing the name of, of God. And, and all, of these, all of these commands, all of these laws, they show us what it looks like to live in such a way that people see us and they say, okay, that must be what God is like. And specifically, this is why Jesus says, well, how are people going to know that you're my disciples? Is it going to be because you all drive nicer cars than everybody else? Is it going to be because, you know, every time somebody uses a four-letter word around you, you say, stop that. Is it because you never drink or is it because, no, what is it? He says it's because of the way you love each other. Right? And so all of God's commands are helping us know how to love him, how to relate to him, and how to relate to, to, to each other. And so I want you to look at, with me very carefully at this command. In Exodus 20, verse 16, it says, You shall not bear false witness. So, so there's that, we kind of get the idea of do not lie from, it's talking about not being false. That's in there. But it's talking about being a witness. What does it mean to be a witness? Okay, you shall not bear false witness. And the second part is where we get into the relational aspect. The end of the verse says, against your neighbor. So two parts of this, being a false witness. And the second part is doing it against your neighbor or in a way that hurts your neighbor, right? So two questions. What does it mean to be a false witness? And what does it mean to to be a false witness against your neighbor? Well, it's really, it's really one question. But so basically in the, in the ancient world, in, in the Old Testament times, they didn't have 
you know, they didn't have DNA testing. They didn't have like uh, fingerprint technology. They didn't have surveillance cameras. Uh, they didn't have they didn't have like CSI teams where you could come and sift through everything and figure out crimes that were committed 20 years ago or something. And so, um, when something happened, when there was a crime that was committed you almost relied completely on the testimony of eyewitnesses to figure out if somebody died, was it a murder, was it an accident? You know, did this person murder, did that person murder? You know, what, what was the deal? You almost relied completely on the testimony of, 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 of eyewitnesses. And so imagine this, this scenario. So, uh, so, so, somebody, so some, somebody dies, right? And then, um, and then I get up and I say, you know, you know, the other day I saw, I saw Dennis Abel coming out of that person's house and he was holding a knife and had blood on his hands. And, and then everybody says, well, is, is, is that true? And Dennis is like, no, it's not true. It's not true. And I said, well, I, I saw it. And then I get my wife and she says, well, I saw it too. You know, we were there together. And then you have two eyewitnesses. And then, and then Dennis gets convicted of, of, of murder. And, and if he didn't do that, you know, you, you can't go back and test the blood and, and look at all these different things. Like if you relied a lot on eyewitnesses, so if I'm making, a, if he didn't actually do that, I'm making a false, I'm being a false witness. I'm accusing him of doing something that he didn't do. Or on the other hand, if, if, he, if he did do it, um, the, and, and he's my, my friend, and, and I don't want him to get in trouble, and I say, no, you know, Dennis and I, we were together, we were, we were playing tennis when that happened, or something like that, right? I, I'm, being a false, I'm being a false witness. And on the first, in the first situation, I'm being a false witness against him, because I'm getting him in trouble for something he didn't do. In the second situation, I'm being a false witness against the, the victim, because instead of allowing them to get justice, I'm, I'm preventing that by being a, a false witness about, about what, what I saw or what I, what I didn't see. Does that make sense? So being a false witness against your neighbor. And there's a lot of different laws in, if you look at, and this is interesting, kind of a side note. There's a lot of different laws about witnessing because it was such a big part of their culture at that time. So for example, um, for... Uh, there was a lot of crimes that the punishment was was capital punishment. So if you if you committed murder, then you would be you would be stoned. You would be you'd be killed. And a lot of other things. Th there was capital punishment for those types of of serious violent crimes. And so, but you couldn't just have one witness. You had to have at least two. It had to be established by at least two witnesses. And. If you were proven to be a false witness, I think this is interesting. So if I, if I accused Dennis of, of committing murder and it was proven that I was lying, then the false witness would get the punishment for the crime that I was falsely accusing somebody of. Right, so if the punishment for murder is, is, is death and I'm falsely accusing somebody of murder, well, then that's the punishment that I'm going to get because I was, I was trying to do that to, to them, right? Also, I think it's really interesting that if, if there's a trial, you know, if there's whatever the, the, the crime is, whatever the, the issue is, and, and we say, hey, are there any witnesses? Does anybody see this happen? An accusation has been made. It, can anybody come forward as a witness? 
if I am a witness, if I did see that, but I don't come forward and I'm silent and I could, you know, exonerate this person or I could help us find who did whatever the crime was, then that would be, I would get in trouble for that too, right? And I find this really interesting also that in situations where somebody, you know, there's, there's two witnesses and, okay, yeah, we saw this happen and so the punishment is, is capital punishment. Uh, and this makes you really think about Jesus' words with the, the woman caught in adultery. Guess who was the one who would throw the first stone? The witness. <laughs> the witness. <laughs> um, yeah, the, so the, the person whose testimony established the crime, they were, they had to, they had, the, the idea was that they needed to be invested in, in the punishment so that you can't just, you know, accuse somebody of something falsely and then, you know, not have to, not have to follow through with, with the punishment. Does that make sense? So all these laws about witnessing. And, okay, so basically the, the ninth command, when we understand it correctly, the ninth command is about loving two things, okay? It's about loving the truth, and it's about loving our neighbor. Loving the truth and, and loving our neighbor, okay? In the passage that Jeff read a second ago, I'm going to turn back to that. That's in Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm looking at the, at the very end of that passage. It's talking, about, it's talking about how we're supposed to be unified. We have one spirit, one baptism. You know, um, God has made us one, and we need to not be divided. We need to not be led astray by uh, human cunning, by craftiness, by dece deceitful schemes. But instead, we're supposed to do what? We're supposed to build each other up so we can become like, like Christ, so we can be those image bearers who are showing people what God is like. Well, how do we do that? And the first thing it says in, in verse 15, there's rather, so don't do all this bad stuff. Okay, but what, what should we do? How do we build the church? And this is what it says. It says, rather... Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Right? So we're supposed to speak the truth. We're supposed to love the truth. We're supposed to speak the truth. But we're not just supposed to, you know, weaponize the truth. We're not supposed to attack people with the truth. We're supposed to speak the truth in, in love. Right? So we're supposed to speak the truth and we're supposed to speak it in love. So... When we think about the ninth command, there's, and I think about, okay, what does it look like? What are some, what are some situations where we're tempted to break the ninth command today? Well, uh, one obvious one that comes to mind is, is slander. Okay, when we say something, I was talking to, to Cameron about this, this yesterday, and we were kind of saying, well, what are some examples? And, and one thing he mentioned is like, well, maybe if, if there's somebody in your office and they're going to get a promotion, but you really want that promotion, but then you say, well, actually, they, they did this really bad thing, and then you, 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 you make something up about them, and you slander them, and you hurt their reputation, and then maybe you get the promotion instead of them, right? So that's, that's one thing where we're, we're, we're not loving the truth, 
and we're not loving our neighbor because we're saying something false and we're using it to, to hurt our, our neighbor, right? How about another one? How about gossip? I would say this is a little bit more common, and we're going to spend a little bit longer talking about this in just a second. But gossip is when, you know, sometimes, is gossip sometimes true? Yeah, it can be true, right? Gossip can be true. Not necessarily true. It can be true, cannot be true. Sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's, it's not verified. Sometimes it might be true, but we're not really sure if it's true or not. But so, so gossip, in a sense, it can be when we're, we might be speaking the truth, we might not, but instead of speaking out of a loving desire to build each other up and encourage each other, we're using whatever we're saying, whether it's true or whether it's not true, we're using it to, to hurt somebody, to, to tear somebody down, to kind of hurt their reputation. All right, so, so one way to think about this is when God says, do not murder, we, we can think about these, these four commands from the perspective of, of stealing. Okay, when God says do not murder, he's telling us to not take our neighbor's life, right? When God says do not commit adultery, he's telling us to not take, to not steal our neighbor's husband or our neighbor's wife. When God says do not steal, he's saying do not take, do not steal your neighbor's possessions, and in the ninth command, one way to think about it is God saying, do not steal or destroy your neighbor's reputation. Okay? So we should be speaking the truth in love. Well, I mentioned a second ago that I mentioned a second ago that I think one way this is this happens a lot. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if you you know maybe you can think now of ways that you've just kind of flat out slandered somebody or you've you've attacked them, you've said something untrue about them, and, and yeah, if, we shouldn't do that. And if we do, we need to, to apologize, we need to make it right. But I think a lot of times, especially in, in the church, we, you know, we're kind of, we're, we're nice people. <laughs> we like to think of ourselves as nice people, so we're probably not going to make up some outlandish story about somebody murdering somebody or, or, or something like that. But I think, what, but, but we, can, we can have a big problem with gossip. I think we have a big problem with gossip. And so I want to talk a little bit about gossip and how, what, what it does and how to identify it and what we should do instead. Okay, because gossip is an example of using our words. It's being a false witness by instead of using our words to build up and to love, we're using our words to, to tear down. So I think the reason gossip is so addicting, gossip is so addicting, it's so... It's so seductive. I don't know if you would say you struggle with, with gossip or not. Uh, I think I do sometimes. Um, but, but I think the reason that gossip is so seductive is because when you're, when you're gossiping, when you're talking negatively about somebody behind their back, it makes you feel kind of important. Right? It makes you kind of feel like, oh, I, I'm, I know the, I know the I'm, I'm on the inside right? Like I, I'm an insider. Like I know the, the details. I know the dirt. It makes us feel, makes us feel kind of important, makes us feel in, included. And it also, I think when we gossip, and there's different forms of gossip, certainly, but I think when we gossip, it gives us, it, it's tricky because it gives us this, it gives us this false sense 
of being a part of the solution to a problem without making us actually do anything to help solve the problem. So there's this sense in which, so I'll give an example, and, and this is kind of gossip, kind of not gossip, but like, you know, I have so many opinions. I have heard so many terrible things about Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. Okay, I do not live in California. I mean, it doesn't sound like he's been a particularly good governor, but I've heard about what restaurants he's been going to. I've heard about, you know, I've heard about Nancy Pelosi when she wears a mask, when she goes to the beauty salon. I've heard all this type of stuff. And, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that that should not be reported because our public figures, you know, they, they should be held to a certain standard. But I have spent, I care, I think my point is that I, I am way too interested in that. <laughs> I have far too many opinions on Gavin Newsom and Nancy Pelosi when there's really not, I mean, they, they affect my lives in some ways, but, you know, it's not, I think in some ways our, our news cycle can become gossip. Like, oh, did you hear about this thing that Trump said or this thing that this tweet from, you know, 20 years ago or 10 years ago or whatever? Or did you hear this person went to this place without a mask? Did you hear about Barack Obama's birthday party? Did you hear about all these types of things? And it gives us this sense of if we're sitting around complaining and we're kind of dwelling on all this negativity, um, it gives us this sense that we're being a part of the problem, being a part of the solution, but we're actually just kind of wallowing in negativity. And again, I'm not saying that it's wrong to report those things. We do need to hold our politicians to a, a higher standard. But we need to be careful because gossip, it is very, it is very seductive. And it's not, it's not building up. Um, so it's not always clear, too. You know, is it sometimes appropriate? Is it appropriate for us to ever talk about somebody who's not present? Would you say it's ever, it, it, can, can we just put down a blanket rule, like, if that person's not in the room, you just don't say anything about them? Should we say that? No, we shouldn't, right? Can we think of an example of a time when it's helpful to, it's helpful to, to have a conversation about somebody who's, who's not in the room? So for, for example, like, you know, maybe sometimes I'll, I'll have a conversation with somebody and I'll, I'll tell Lindsay, like, hey, you know, I had this conversation and yeah, I'm feeling I, I, it didn't sit quite right with me. I, I want to get your opinion on it. I want to get your I want to get your input and, and then we, we can we, we can we can talk about it. Right? Or, or maybe it's even, you know, OK, so and so is I, I heard that they're struggling with a certain thing. Well, what's how can we how can we help them? Maybe even there's a we need to intervene. We need to um, we need to 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 kind of to to help somebody recognize something that they haven't recognized in their life, right? So there there are times when speaking the truth in love can involve talking about somebody who's not present, right? So and that's what's tricky because it's it's not always clear. So so what do we do? Well, I have four questions here. When we talk about somebody behind, as you think about talking about people behind their back, which is a funny thing to say, but when we're speaking about somebody who's not present, how do we know if it's gossip? Okay, not always black and white, but here's four questions to ask to help run a self-diagnostic. Is this, is this gossip or is this, I don't know, is this healthy processing is this healthy discussion about 
politics or about society or, or, about, or about whatever. Four questions. So the first question, is this true? Okay, is it true? If it's not true, then hopefully, obviously, we, 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 shouldn't, be, we shouldn't be saying it. We shouldn't be saying things that aren't true. So first question, is it true? And I had kind of question 1B, am I sure that it's true? Am I sure that it's true? Because sometimes, sometimes it, you know, maybe it's not a flat out lie, but I heard it secondhand from so-and-so and, you know, they said this, and, but I interpreted it this way and then I'm, and I'm telling it to you this way. You know, if I'm not sure that it's true, then, you know, maybe I shouldn't, I probably, probably shouldn't say it. I probably shouldn't be passing it along because those types of rumors, even if I say, well, I heard this and I think this might be the case. Well, the next time this gets talked about, you know, it might not be, well, it's possible. It might be, well, it definitely is, is blank. So is it true? And am I sure? Second question, would I say it to this person's face? If this person were here, would I say this to them? Would I be willing to say this in front of them? And not only would I be able to address this topic with them, but would I say it to them in the way that I'm saying it right now? Because I think sometimes, you know, I would be, be talking about somebody and if I'm, you know, if, and I, I'd, I'd try to be very careful not to do this, but, you know, hypothetically, I'm talking about something like, oh, man, this person just did this and I can't believe this and they're such a terrible, it makes me so mad and all this type of stuff. And, and then, and I'll, oh, yeah, I guess I'll go talk to him. And then I'll go talk to him and say, you know, it's not a big deal. Just a little kind of teeny tiny. It didn't really offend me, but uh, ju just so you know, and I'll, I'll downplay it, right? So would, would I say this to this person's face? And would I say this in the same way to this person's face? And if the answer is no, I probably, probably shouldn't say it. And we need to be careful when we're talking about people who aren't present that we are respecting them in the way that if they were in the room, that we would, that they would feel respected, that we would feel okay with, with saying it in this way in, in front of them. Okay? Question number three. How is this building up? How is this building up? Is this building up? Am I sure it's building up? Am I sure that I can't just kind of let this go? Am I sure that, you know, maybe we shouldn't just change the subject? Am I, am I sure that it's productive and beneficial for me to be talking about this thing that this person said or this thing that this person did? Am I, am I sure that's building up? How is this building up? Not just it's not malicious slander, but how is this, how is this helping the person that we're talking about? Or how is this helping other people that this person might have hurt for us to be talking about this? Or are we just kind of ruminating and, and, and complaining and dwelling on, on, on negativity? How is this building up? Because it's not enough for our speech just to not tear down. We need to speak the truth and we need to speak it out of a heart of love. And so if my heart's not coming from a place of love, then I shouldn't be speaking it. 
Okay, so is this true? Would I say this to their face? How is this building up? And number four, the fourth question is, what is my motivation? What is the motivation in my heart as I'm saying this? And again, we have to be honest with ourselves. These aren't black and white things where, you know, it's, it's always perfectly crystal clear. We have to examine our own hearts. You know, am I, is my motivation, is it that I kind of like to, I have a little juicy something and I, it would make me feel good to pass it on to somebody? Is it that it makes me feel like an insider or it makes me, I, I don't know, is, is, that, is, is that what my motivation is or is it really that, I, that, that I'm lovingly trying to help, help you understand something more fully or help us figure out how we can better serve someone else, right? What, what is the motivation in my heart? And again, that's not always 100% clear, but we need to be asking this question, right? So is it true when I say it to their face how is this building up, and what is my motivation, right? As we think about how we can use our words like Jesus would. You know, in some ways, as we talk about applying this, we could easily say, okay, ninth commandment, do not bear false witness. We could say, don't be like Satan. Don't be like Satan, always a good idea. Try not to be like Satan. Instead, be like Jesus, <laughs> Is that easy to 